Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. This year's fundraiser for the Dreamland Ballroom, Dancing into Dreamland, is tonight at the Dreamland Ballroom, complete with its brand new elevator services. In downtown Little Rock, just above flagandbanner.com. On this episode of Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we're going to visit with a number of people who will be there tonight and who were instrumental in beginning this whole process and the resurrection of Dreamland Ballroom. So get ready for a number of different guests on today's Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you haven't heard or are wondering what the Friends of Dreamland nonprofit is, it's a group of everyday people who in 2009 united in the mission or maybe I should say vision, of saving the Dreamland Ballroom. And now you're thinking, what's the Dreamland Ballroom? It's the third floor of the Taborian Hall in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas, that was built in 1917 by the International Order of Twelve Knights and Daughters of Tabor. Again, you're asking, who are the Knights and Daughters of Tabor? They are an African-American fraternal organization founded in 1846, an anti-slavery society Though credited for many good works, they may be best known as the sponsors of the Taborian Hospital, a black person's hospital. I think of the services provided by the Knights and Daughters of Tabor as a kind of government within a government, our country's first welfare system, Negro Americans taking care of the sick, widowed, and orphaned within their own community. It wasn't until 1935, 90 years later, that FDR established our current welfare system for all Americans, probably modeling it somewhat after what the Knights and Daughters had done. In addition to the Knights and Daughters' interesting and important history, there is the music legacy. It is believed that Dreamland was the smallest theater on the famous Chitlin Circuit, having hosted such greats as Cab Calloway, Duke Ellington, Earl Hines, Etta James, Ella Fitzgerald, Red Fox, and Nat King Cole, just to name a few. 1990, the Taborian Hall was saved from the wrecking ball by me, Carrie McCoy, and currently on the first and second floors is the home of flagandbanner.com. Today, we're going to have a brave conversation to talk about everything, it is my great pleasure to welcome to the table fellow visionaries, lovers of old buildings, music enthusiasts, and endearing friends, Jeff Roper and Rick St. Vincent, and my son, Matthew McCoy. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Hello. You're going to have Hi, to Mom. behave. <laughs> hey, Mom, I love that. Y'all are going to have to behave. These are my cronies. <laughs> we were just laughing before the show about behaving all right let's start at the beginning jeff or you're not behaving or not behaving <laughs> jeff you're in the hot seat first ah. you were one of my first recruits a founding board member of the friends of dreamland ballroom tell everyone what your current career is and about our first meeting well currently i'm the family services director for habitat for humanity which is a fantastic organization. I'm very happy to have 
in the pandemic uh, gained uh, a new job. You may remember I was working for you at the time at Flag and Banner, so it did cost you an employee. <laughs> no, but it was worth it. Everybody give an applaud for Habitat for Humanity. Yes. When he came in and said, Carrie, I got some good news and bad news. I'm quitting, but I'm going to work for the Habitat for Humanity. I said, oh, my God, Jeff, that's so good. <laughs> All right. So you and I met. The Root Cafe was having a pre-one-year anniversary fundraiser at Doc's. And I got invited to go, and I was there. And aside from uh, meeting you, the thing I remember most is there was a, a dude there that had his hair in dreads, and he had a jacket on, and something looked a little off. And he had a rat on his shoulder that would walk back and forth across the top of his back. What? And, awesome. and yeah, it wasn't very long at all to where. You saw everybody going like that, and like the whole room was just pointing. To, Look at that dude; he's got a rat on his back. <laughs> um, but you and I met and had a great well, time together. Finish that story. Yeah, why I'm, was that I'm, rat I'm, on there? Come on, man. <laughs> what am I going to go ask him? Why do you have a rat? No, no. asking you. You no, did I don't do know. that. It's like that'll be the first thing that. I did. The, just I'd the, be like, "What's its name? How'd you get it?" Oh, no. why is it on your back? Yeah. Mm, no, he didn't look like anybody I really wanted to have a conversation yeah, with. The, the guy or the rat? Neither one of them. Because <laughs> if the rat started talking. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. That would be mean, some good LSD. <laughs> yeah. it it sounds cute. It's like Ratatouille. It's his mushroom story, maybe. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I told you all I was right. going to get it out of control. Really quickly. <laughs> and then you, you knew that I worked at the rep. And... Um, genius on your part you reached out to somebody in the arts community and uh and i said well man i'd like to help you carrie but i work at a nonprofit. i don't have any money to offer and you said oh that's okay i just like your vibe come join us <laughs> and all of that is true yep sounds about right <laughs> none of us have any money that work for the dreams of for the friends of dreamland ballroom where it's all about the endearing passion that we feel for it yes you know? It really is. We're just average people. I said it in our opening. We're just average people that share a vision, you know. Rick, you're next. You come on the board the second year. You're the not a founding, year. but you're the second. This is also your second time to be on this show when I started it yeah. in uh, 2016. You were one of my first people to come on because you're, you are an entertainer. Well, I was also a radio person. Yeah, yeah. listen to that yeah. voice, yeah. So, um, yeah. So how did we tell us about your multi talents, which you're about to, and then tell us how we, and then tell the story of how we re reconnected after years. Okay, um, I used to get radio jobs all across the United States. I was at 17 or more radio stations in eight different states, six different cities, and uh, I did radio, and people hired me because I could come on and give them four or five different characters. So got out of that and got into uh, woodworking. Uh, so I've been making wood product for Beautiful. 40 yeah 40 years and then how did we reconnect after all these years we reconnected because i joined the uh, friends of dreamland and uh i'm the guy at the friends of dreamland i'm the guy that's the sort of the guardrails and i and i would always say well, look you know uh there's a bunch of people here in this city that uh uh have have uh different points of view about you having this building and I would go out and fight for that and say, look. Just go ahead and building, say it. I said it's going to be a brave conversation. Yeah. I'm white. I own a black person's building. Right, right. But the thing is that the community had let the building 
decay over what 20 years or more because yeah. it, it, it was it's been a long time it was a long time it was months it was from the, the wrecking ball one of the last buildings on 9th street other than uh, mosaic templars which burned and then they reconstructed it uh pretty much the same way as it was but i'm thinking this woman came in and spent her money her time and her energy and put this thing back on the map why are you upset if I see you fall out of a plane and I'm Superman and I catch you, why are you mad because I wrinkled your pants on the way down? Whoa! <laughs> now that is an abstract thought. <laughs> All right, on that note, I'm moving to you. I love it, though. On, on that thought, I'm moving to you, Matthew, uh, son Matthew, as you often say in your, tours of, in your tours of Dreamland, which are often, this is your destiny. Tell us why. Uh, so you actually bought Taborian Hall the year I was born, uh, in 1990. So I've kind of literally grown up in, in the building, you know, and, but it wasn't until I think I moved back, I mean, really in my mid twenties and I moved back to Little Rock and I started really getting familiar with the history, uh, of the building that I realized how actually awesome it is and how awesome the history it is you know i was it was beautiful it's great i love it i grew up in there and it's and i have this deep connection with it because of that um but then i got to really know the history and i um i was kind of honestly flabbergasted with myself because i didn't it was shocking to me that i didn't know that history already just even the fact that i grew up in the building the fact that i lived in little rock my whole life I mean, why didn't I know that history already? And um, and so that kind of led me into a deeper dive of of this whole conversation. You know, what happened to Ninth Street? What happened to all this stuff? And um, what Rick? Ramos I, I want to ask you a question on that point. Um, you didn't know the history, and you lived in Little Rock, so that tells me that somebody in Little Rock or some entity of Little Rock <laughs> determined that this is not something they're going to teach. Yeah, you, somebody sometimes said this is important, and I said that's ridiculous. This is I mean, it's not only important, it's cool. It's like a very awesome building with an amazing legacy. Like that musical legacy is insane. That's heartbreaking. You know, and uh, I kind of got this energy and, for it and, and was like, and I feel like, so I, excuse me, I, I felt like my, uh, my deal with this space is to share this history now. Like mm-hmm. I, accessibility to this history is is what I can do now, you know. Speak to the feeling you get upon ascending the chair, the stairs to Dreamland. Uh, it's very it, well, you know. Been up there so many times; it's hard to. It's almost hard to remember that first time, you know, or that first time, especially when I came back and looked at it, and it was so much. You know, the floors were so nice, and because I remember growing up and walking up there, and it was all you had all the scrap flags as the floor. And there was this color-coded path that you walked, you know, uh, to not fall through the floor. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, walking through and walking in there, and it just has this gravity about it. You know, it's the getting people in that space, you immediately see them become passionate about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they can see a thousand pictures of it and be like, what a cool, beautiful place. And read that legacy and go, wow, this so these people performed here? You know, uh, in our town, like that's crazy. But then when you're in there, you feel that you mm-hmm. feel that legacy, you mm-hmm. feel that gravity of that legacy. And it's something else. 
This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the Friends of Dreamland's Executive Director, Matthew McCoy, and board members, Rick St. Vincent and Jeff Roper. Still to come, Dreamland's connection to the legendary Chitlin Circuit. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 1995, she embraced the internet and rebranded her company as simply FlagandBanner.com. In 2004, she became an early blogger. Since then, she has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine, Brave, and in 2016, branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. And today, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years. If you'd like to sponsor this show or get involved with any of Carrie McCoy's enterprises, send an email to me, Gray, that's G-R-A-Y, at flagandbanner.com. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. TheFlagandBanner.com This year's fundraiser for the Dreamland Ballroom, Dancing into Dreamland, is tonight at the Dreamland Ballroom, complete with its brand new elevator services, in downtown Little Rock, just above FlagandBanner.com. On this episode of Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we're going to visit with a number of people who will be there at the event tonight and who were instrumental in beginning this whole process and the resurrection of Dreamland Ballroom. Now we want to talk about the music legacy. Who wants to talk about the music legacy? Somebody who doesn't get mentioned very often that I think because of Dancing in the Dreamland maybe should get a little more run. And Sammy Davis Jr. played there. I did. I don't think you, I remember that. You really that. can't name any performer from the yeah, early 20th but century. Like Black dancing, performer. And, 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 and the, they probably... The Robinson Brothers crazy. played there. Mm-hmm. The Ro- Rosetta Tharp. If you really can think of a performer from the early 20th century, you know, 1920 to 1950, 60, they probably performed there. So why, did, uh, so why did... So tell our listeners why and how Dreamland got so many great performers because it was a small theater. It was, the Chitlin Circuit, uh, you know, a lot of people are familiar with, like, the Green Book now. You know, there's been a movie and a documentary, this 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 kind of travel guide for uh, black Americans, you know, in the early 20th century. So it's this um, field of understanding. The a Chitlin chain Circuit of, yeah. was where blacks could play without being harassed by folks here in the South. Because the Chitlin Circuit was more of something that was understood by performers than people than than kind of laymen traveling. So because it was it was a place that you, a performer, a comedian, a musician, a whatever, could travel from place to place and know where you could go and make to do living. your and, and make, make your living. Because the guys who lived in town already knew where they could go, you know, and and you know, and if you wanted to travel, you had the green book to tell you where to go. If you were a, mm-hmm. a, just a tourist, at a sort of sense. Jeff, and, uh, it, I said you were, we were going to talk to you. Yep. Speak to what attracted you to preserving Dreamland and what you see for its future now. I didn't have much history in preservation, um, but I know a good thing when I see it. And to see your passion in it and to be a part of the growth process um, was something that I had never done before. Um, 
But you talked about when you take somebody up to upstairs, like when you did it the first time or two. To be able to talk to people about Dreamland and, and list off all the names and, and talk to them, I know they're seeing me lighten up and, and, and be passionate and start like Matthew banging on the, on the table <laughs> and my voice gets higher and it's just it, it's just the, the electricity of being involved in that place. Um, and then when you start to take people for tours or when you, you're up there and you know, I ran dancing into Dreamland for a number of years, and you see all these performers who've done the research. They know what's going on, and then they walk in there and they see this cathedral to performing. It's just magical. I mean, it's just you, there's there's no tiring of people's reaction whenever they breach the stairwell and open up into this giant cathedral. It's it's just magical. It really is. And it's that way, like empty. You know, yeah, and it's so like it's and so when you have people or you're the person performing or you're the person seeing the performance in there, like, you know, I always say the ghosts come out of the wall, like an energy is like yeah, palpable, you know, that something comes out of those old walls and and it's and to know. see and I refer to it as like you know, to see the old girl all dolled up for dancing into dreamland <laughs> when you, you've got the lights and the sound. The, 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 <laughs> I'm not talking about her. <laughs> the old girl, old okay. okay, back. Come on back. Yeah, but the, the tables with the tablecloths and the decorations and everybody walking around with wine glasses and they're in their, you know, Sunday best and, and people are dancing and stuff. It just, it's really, it takes you back to, oh, my gosh, and there's that great scene in the documentary where they actually have people dancing and a jazz band playing. It's just remarkable to see it come to life. You're right. It is amazing when you walk in and, and you've got all that, you said, gravity earlier. Um, but it's also great to see her all dolled up and actually being used for, like we talked about, bring the party back. Actually see a party in there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just uh it's just a safe place for everybody. Mm-hmm. I that's what I like about it. I like I like a place where you can be you, you can take risks. Those dancers are taking risks. Us girls putting on our outfits are taking risks. The guys are taking risks. Everybody's coming in there and it's a safe place to take risks of all kind. Social, artistic, Next on the program, let's get to know a few of the people who will be there tonight at the uh, Dancing into Dreamland fundraiser. The MC for the event for the past few years has been Pool Boy from Alice 107.7. And he comes to this MC duty at Dancing into Dreamland, honestly, because of his true love of dancing. Here's the story. All right, when I first met you, I called you and asked you if you would be a DJ for Dancing Into Dreamland, our fundraiser. Huh? And you said, oh, yes, I would just love to. I love dancing. And you told me the story of the first date with your wife. Uh, so my wife and I actually met. Um, we were both on a committee for the Children's Protection Center. That's how that's how we met. Um, at first, um, I kind of thought she had a little RBF. Um, What's thought- that mean? Resting bee face. <laughs> um, I got to get up and then go. Okay. And, uh, and so, and I, I thought she was kind of standoffish. And then, I, I don't know, we, the more and more we worked together and, and worked on this committee together, we got to know each other. And then 
um, I asked her out and she, you know, said no or had something come up and I, you know, asked her out again and, you know, she said no and something would come up and, and, and then, so I gave it like one last, one last ditch effort. And I, there was other powers working against me. I think, I think she heard stories about who I was mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And so mm-hmm. I think she, I, so with good reason, I thought she was probably a little, a little standoffish, but I wasn't willing to to give up quite yet. So I knew that if I could, this sounds, this, this is going to sound weird, but I knew if I could get her alone and, and let her see me, I, I knew that she, we might hit it off. And, and so I, I wanted to do, uh, have a fun date for us to, for her to get to know me and get to see a different side of me than what she probably heard on the radio. And so um, I had some friends at, Fred Astaire dance studio where I had taken some dance lessons in the past for a competition, which resulted in me getting a pink unicorn tattooed on my butt. Um, <laughs> lost that competition to Meredith Mitchell uh, from channel 11. And so that's why I've got that one. Um, and so um, I'd found out that Jenny, that's my wife's name. Her favorite song at the time was a song called like a G six. Um, which is this, uh, you remember that song. Y'all remember that song? Like yeah, a G6. Everybody's nodding their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it, it was just one of those songs. It was just at the moment. That's her song. And so I go to my friends at Fred Astaire dance studio, Chris and Malia. And I said, what dance would you do to like a G? Cause you can ballroom dance to just about anything. Right. It's just, and, and the, and these dancers know what kind of beat that is. If you've watched dancing with the stars, you know that they dance to anything and everything. And so they worked up a dance for that song. And so I took Jenny to the dance studio for a dance lesson for our first date, for our first date. And, um, we, you know, we got in there and they, I think they put some shoes on her, you know, some dance heels or something. And, um, and then they put on like a G six and she was like, what? <laughs> and, and it was just, it was just kind of funny. And so there was a laugh there. Um, I got to, I got to touch her, not in like a creepy way at all, but like, you know, you know how it is like when you went out on that first date and you, or maybe it was a second date and you, uh, ushered the lady in with your hand on the small of her back, or it was, you know, you held hands or you put your arm, you know, you had that moment. And, and I knew that if I could just. I knew that I wanted to touch her, but again, not, and I know it sounds like a creepy way, but I wanted to dance with her. I wanted to hold her. (laughs) Uh And that's what that, it took, what it, that dance lesson just took down all the walls, I guess, kind of between us. And we Mm -hmm. were just able to be, you know, pool boy and Jenny, Adam and Jenny. And it was just, it was a, a moment that we had and it was, and it was awesome. And the rest is history. Rest is history. We've been together ever since, ever since that day. And uh, it's, we very rarely dance anymore. I was going to say, do y'all uh, still take dance lessons? We don't. Uh, and every now and again, we'll try to remember, uh, you know, our dance to like a G6. You need um, to do that for your anniversary. I know. But so when we got married, we went back to Chris and Malia at Fred Astaire and they choreographed our first dance song. And um, it was to John Lennon's woman. And um, we danced that song to a guy performing it live, Brian Nolan. Um, he does a, a lot of great music here around central Arkansas. And so he, he came up, we never danced to it with him performing it live. And we'd only done it to a CD. He learned the song. He knew the song, but he did it spot on 
the day of, and we did it flawlessly at our, uh, at our wedding. It was beautiful. Worked out. I love it. So there's your, that's your wedding. That's your wedding dance. So you have two dances. We, yeah, you have we your first have, date dance yeah. and your wedding dance. Yeah. We have two dances, neither of which we can remember. Joining pool boy for MC duties this year at dancing into dreamland is Will Trice from the Arkansas repertory theater. He certainly comes with a pedigree worth the MC position. You probably grew up performing in the Arkansas Repertory Theater. I a little bit, not a lot. Um, not until um, high school did I actually ever perform there. Um, the first time was uh, was actually in the Gridiron. My family was involved a lot in the Gridiron, and uh, at, at a certain point in the Gridiron's history, it. it began to be hosted by the rep and the gridiron is what the lawyers association does yeah the it, it was Arkansas it was put bar on by the bar association and uh and it, to uh, raise money it, to raise money and and you know to skewer Spoof. local politicians and judges and uh and my family was always a big part of that and so i really grew up just playing backstage and in the storage areas of the building while they were all rehearsing um it, when i was in Actually, when I was in middle school, they uh, they had me on as a little cameo playing uh, Dan Quayle, um, and uh, yeah, it was during the um, during that kind of period. And uh, and then on the actual kind of rep stage, when I was in high school, I was in a production of uh, Lost in Yonkers, uh, but that was really my only kind of performance experience there. I call that growing up in that theater. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's speak about your mom and dad. I just met you today, about an hour, about 30 minutes ago. But I know your mom and dad, they have a legacy here in Little Rock. Yeah, as theater people. for sure. Um, and yeah, very, I think, active in the in the local theater community, which is is a very kind of thriving community. Judy Trice. Uh, Judy Trice. And you're named after your father, I guess. Yep. Yep. I'm Will. He was Bill. Um. He was a he was an attorney, um, but also kind of very active, kind of avocational performer. That's why you were in the gridiron because he was an attorney. Absolutely. And then your mother's theater. And then my mother. Um, well, she started out in uh, broadcasting actually, um, and was on Channel Seven here. Um, and the before I was born, a weather woman. Um, no, she did the weather. She had like a noon show. There was like a dance party show at one point. American um, Bandstand, Arkansas Bandstand. Well, there was a show called The Vic Ames Show. Yeah. And she was like the co-host of that and would sing on it and stuff. Um, this was all, yeah, way pre-me. And then um, she uh, wound up going back to school and became a teacher. And she taught at Hall High School. And she taught drama for a long time. A, a drama teacher, not a mm-hmm. music teacher? She taught drama for a long time. And then she moved over to English. Uh, and then she retired in the mid-90s. And... Uh, but has continued to act in movies and at the rep and at other theaters in town. So I met her because of the work that she does at um, Summer. What's the name of that? What's the name of that thing you go to, Gray? Arkansas Interfaith Conference Choir Camp. Yeah. Choir Camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Summer Choir Camp. For sure. I grew up going there too. And that's how I met your mother because she was always, I think she was always playing the piano. Yeah. So uh, your mother, I mean, your mother's in theater. But you did not look like to me that you went to school for theater. No. no. Did you go to? You went to Southern Methodist and Northwestern University. What did you study? In undergrad, I studied music. Oh, you did. Um, I was a business minor. Uh, 
and uh, and also a theater minor, I guess. Um, so you did study. Yeah, um, but then right. Aren't those out, right and left brains? I'm I'm not getting that. That's the fun part. It's kind of going back and forth between the two. Um, but I didn't go into it at all at, into the arts after school. I sort of went right into corporate America. Um, and it, that was at McKinsey, you mentioned. And McKinsey had a big uh, had a big customer. Opera? Didn't they have a big um, metropolitan opera? I don't know that they've ever done work for the Met. Um, it, it, coincidentally, they, I mean, I was in their Dallas office, and they were they did while I was there got to do some pro bono work for the Dallas Opera. Um, but um, it was a lot of retail and. Um, kind of automotive parts washers and uh, and petroleum manufacturer you know processors and uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I wound up working for the Met later. Ah, um, but uh, yeah, that was as an analyst for them. Uh, sort. I was in the I was in the artistic department. Kind of. So when we come back, we're going to take a really quick break. But when we come back, we are going to find out all about. Um, how you became a Tony award-winning producer on Broadway, how you ended up in New York City. Then I want to hear about the day that you came home, that you heard that you were going to come home and the day you decided and what went through your mind when you decided to do that. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation with Mr. Will Trice, Executive Artistic Director for the Arkansas Repertory Theater in downtown Little Rock. More to come. We'll be right back. All UIYB past and present interviews are available at Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy's YouTube channel, Facebook page, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette's digital version, flagandbanner.com's website, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just ask your smart speaker to play Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. And by subscribing to our YouTube channel or flagandbanner.com's email list, you will receive prior notification of that day's guest. At this year's Dancing Into Dreamland event, MC duties will be shared between Pool Boy and Will Trice from the Arkansas Repertory Theater. Will Trice has been around dancing and theater and performers for a long, long time. He's a Tony Award winner. You had nearly 30 productions on Broadway and were nominated and, and won three Tony Awards. How do you find out when you're nominated for Tony, Tony Award? Do they call you? they send you an email? It's a, text there's you? a press conference. You sit happens. there and watch the press conference. Yeah. You're just sitting. You don't know before that happens. Nope. And so what did you do? Like wet your pants when they name your name? The, the, the first time? <laughs> well, I mean, they don't, they don't name my name. Uh, I they mean, said I'm, the play. I, I, was a, I'm, I, I won those in the context of producing, so that you're, it's, it's a, it takes a village. Uh, but... Um, so it's it's really the show that wins the Tony and and what the, was the show? Um, so my first one was for uh, the Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, uh, and then for uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and then All the Way, uh, which was about LBJ with uh, Brian Cranston. So you're sitting in the audience. So okay, that's how you find out. You're sitting in the audience, or you're it. watching it, or you, or actually, you just you can also just wait for the the blogs to update. And and your friend and all of you, the, how many producers are on a play? Uh, it varies dramatically, uh, and there's kind of different meanings to producing. Mm. What um, was your meaning? Uh, I was uh, I, I was a kind of the associate lead producer on all of those. I was the junior partner in a lead producing office. Um, so we are the uh, we would be the ones that originate the projects. Uh, we literally form LLCs for for each show. 
we get the rights to the to the material we hire artists we hire management we hire accountants we hire advertising agencies then we go about and raise the capital and then you get the actors and yeah we yeah we do that the last major thing casting. is to get the actors the well casting. actually not it's it's often it's often one of the first things you're not going to go forward unless you have know who's got the name unless you it. have a star often uh, and then we will raise the capital and so um so there's a there's producing that is is a little less it's a little more passive um sort of participation in the kind of day-to-day management of the of the show um but you're also you're also a producer you're also sort of making it happen yeah um and uh, but it's a, it's a little less passive so when you're in one of the lead producers you're we we're literally like all day every day like managing the show but you don't go out there and say stage left go to the right you don't you no, don't you no. don't tell the actors where to go no we're uh, you are we're, literally we're, we're desk produce- jockeys yeah. yes uh, you met james earl jones yes tell me oh yeah i mean is he's, he just he's, awesome? he's amazing he's he's everything you when he walks in a room is he just big is he just so he's very tall and big and uh very everything's very deliberate <laughs> oh really what he does even yes. in real life yeah but uh uh but he's a absolutely lovely man with an absolutely lovely family what about candace bergen oh she was amazing i i, I didn't really interact a ton with her um but i got kind of starstruck every time i was in a room with her but she was very she's she's incredibly intelligent and very she, and incredibly classy and uh yeah carrie washington uh, should be president. <laughs> Just because of her name? No, because she's brilliant and and so uh, just she's got this sort of drive and magnetism and and you're like I I, I don't know she's you just she should be present. <laughs> are, are all stars like that when you're in the room with them? Do they all have these really? big personalities that you can feel in the room or do they or do some just turn it on when they're on stage i think there is a there is a sort of phenomenon to celebrities right like they got to be that way for a reason uh and a lot of that's sort of what you bring to it right like if you don't you know if sort of if if you didn't know who they were it's like it's the tree falling in the woods and no one was there so you know who knows because it's something that you bring to that experience like you're what you know of them and what you're sort of How impressing about, on them you know al pacino very, uh sure very shy wow um uh very very nice um he seems like he just very, slit your wrist no no you slit your throat on he's him. he's very kind of kind of has a very kind of meek persona and very very quiet and very yeah and then the last one I got to ask you about Angela Lansbury, like the dame, just the dame, class, total class, and so smart and All these sharp, people are sharp smart. as attack. Oh my god! Well, so far in the uh, program today, concentrating on this year's Dancing into Dreamland event, we've heard from organizers, we've heard from uh, MCs. Now let's hear about Dancing into Dreamland from the perspective of a man who judged. Many of the Dancing into Dreamland competitions. Mr. David Miller, host of the radio show Swinging Down the Lane, a tribute to the big band era music. He also has a book uh, titled Close Encounters that he's written. It's an autobiography with excerpts from 80 plus interviewees. Why should I buy this book? Who would enjoy it? I think it's, uh, 
it's got a dual audience. One is obvious people who love the big band sound, regardless of what their age is. Uh, they can get some insight into uh, what it's all about. What's the background behind it? Uh, I have a lot of uh, excerpts from interviews that show from my standpoint the things that I want to know about famous people. Do you put your most embarrassing interview moment into this into this oh, book? Do you, do you know what it is? No. I don't I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> We've all got them. <laughs> I'll think about that. Let's go to something else while I, while I try to figure out which one I should All right, Nat confess. King Cole. I'm looking right here in your book at Nat King Cole. He played in the Dreamland Ballroom. Ah, yes. Uh, and so did Cab Calloway and Duke Ellington and B.B. King. And for those people that don't know me, I have the Arkansas Flag and Banner Building in downtown Little Rock with the famous Dreamland Ballroom on the third floor. And every year, except for the year of COVID, we have a one fundraiser that's called Dancing into Dreamland. And we celebrate dancers. And it's kind of like Dancing with the Stars. And, and, and it's all genres. It's not just ballroom. It's, we've, we've, it's all genres. But... I'm telling you that I'm telling the listeners this because David has judged, been a judge since the very first time. Since the very mm-hmm. first time. And you love Dreamland, I think, because all your favorite people played on that stage. Well, I, that is certainly part of it. The other part is an amazing renovation of the building. I mean, when my when friends come from out of state, you know, I'll pick them up at the airport. And I'll say, well, we're going to stop off at, at Dreamland. I want you to see this. And like me, they are just amazed at how it has been preserved, not over-preserved, but rather with the idea of getting back to what it was back in the days yeah. of uh, on through the 1950s, maybe you know, they the built 60s. it in the 16, they started building it in 1916, I think finished it in 18. It was really in its heyday after the war. Mm. It had some great dances and it had some great entertainers. And the only person that I cannot find that played at the Dreamland is Elvis Presley. That's well, the only person I, can, I can't document. But, I mean, even Red Fox played on the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh Louis Armstrong, B.B. Uh-huh. King. I got to interview B.B. King one time. I have documentation he was there from the newspaper, but he could not remember playing there. Little lady, he said to me, little lady, I can't remember everywhere I played. I played 265 <laughs> days a year. I was like, okay, fine, forget it. <laughs> I just kept pressuring him and pressuring him. You sure you don't remember? <laughs> so yeah. this year we're coming up again, and we're going to have it together. We're going to be together. Did you think of what it was that uh, was your most embarrassing moment? I was giving a presentation in Denver for some group that got together once a month to hear some out-of-town speaker. And I had an elaborate presentation, which consisted of uh, two slide projectors that were synced so that one slide would go on and then automatically 
as I clicked uh-huh. another slide go on. And uh, so I was into my pitch talking about the history of the big bands. And it turns out that in that particular hall, the screen was located, oh, like 10 feet above the level where I was. So the projectors are going up like this. And the slides got fouled up a little bit. And worse than that, when we finally got them going, they were out of sequence oh. by one. Oh. Slide two, then comes slide one. Then slide four, then comes slide three. And I'm, meanwhile, following a script. That was an embarrassing moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But they did pay me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So, you know what? I wish we could have at the Dancing in the Dreamland. This year, you know, it would be fun if we could ever have burlesque at the show. It would be <laughs> so much Full circle. fun. One more quick aside as we talk about the people who are involved in this year's Dancing into Dreamland. Joining the judging panel this year for the very first time, North Little Rock native and Hollywood actress Joey Lauren Adams a longtime family friend of Carrie McCoy. Over the last 30 years, Miss Adams has acted in over 40 movies and 20 TV shows. In 2006, this talented actress added to her repertoire of work by releasing her very own film, Come Early Morning, that she wrote, directed, and advocated for, starring Ashley Judd as the lead alongside the respected actress Diane Ladd. This full-length film was shot on location in Little Rock, Arkansas, and got picked up by the Sundance Film Festival. Full disclosure, your aunt, mm-hmm. Kathleen King, and I are longtime friends. In fact, we've been friends since the second grade. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your, I called you illustrious earlier, your illustrious career, because it is too many people think successful people are just born that way. But in reality, they have worked hard, they have conquered fears, and they have often grown from strife in their life. And that is certainly true for you. You probably don't remember our first meeting, but I don't really remember it either. But I've known you ever since I can really remember. But um, because, like I said, your aunt is my good friend. Mm -hmm. And I came to your house because I think she was babysitting. Really? I do, for your mother. It's funny because I don't ever remember Kathleen babysitting us. Well, for some reason, she was at your house. And I came over. So, And uh, I remember... Your house, I don't really remember you and your brother and sister that much, but I remember your house was kind of modern, had a sunken kind of den. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a glass, big glass window. Yeah. And I thought, this is the nicest, coolest house I've ever been in. Was your father in construction? Yeah, he had uh, cash lumber. Oh. But he actually wanted to be an architect, and his father made him quit college and come take over the lumber yard. So he was sort of a... What is the word? There's a word for, like, a suppressed artist. Like, didn't really get to do, I think, what he wanted to do with his life. Mm -hmm. So he designed that house and then, you know, had the people, the connections with builders and the material, obviously, to build it. Well, no wonder it made an impression on me. Yeah. It was small, but it was really neat. So describe your life back then. I mean, it's pretty storybook because we lived in North Little Rock. Pikeview, maybe, was the name of the elementary school I went to, which was walking distance. But, I mean, my mom was amazing. My dad was amazing. She was pretty much a stay-at-home mom. 
So there was literally cookies when we got home from school. And then, like, you know, the neighborhood kids, we would play kick the can and all of those games. So it was fun. We could ride our bikes anywhere. We could, I remember, like, getting lost, like, going out into the woods and getting lost, which was amazing, you know. Without being kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. And without, you know, like, it being some sort of scary thing or, you know, or feeling a need to come home and tell my mom or, you know, you just got home by dark. Mm-hmm. When the streetlights came on. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the life as an actress. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems and sounds incredibly stressful. It, yeah. It How is. do you prepare for all the roles? You've had 40 films, 20 movies. You have to memorize all mm-hmm. those lines. How do you prepare for a movie? It depends on the film. Like with Days and Confused, we had... Uh, several weeks of rehearsal before the film and Rick was very kind of open to letting like Parker and I wrote scenes nonstop because Rick was like improvise do whatever you want and so we would write scenes and he would say yeah I'll shoot that or no I don't want to shoot that which movie is this? Dazing Fuse, the very first film I did so that kind of like spoiled me to some degree because the next film I went and did like I wanted to change a line and the director was like shut up and walked away you know like (laughs) And I was like, oh, there's two. And then Kevin is like, you can't change one syllable in his writing. But on Chasing Amy, we rehearsed. I mean, because that was an indie film that we did a lot of, like, just masters of the scene. This is such an intimate thing that you do with all the it's actors that you've performed with and you've trusted and you've been on screen with and you've got this intimate relationship with them. I always think about that when I'm watching these films of people working together. I'm thinking about how much trust must goes into that. Do you make long-term friends out of that or... Younger, what is the relationship that happens after, after yeah, you've done I a mean, film with younger, somebody? Yeah, I mean, younger, I think we did more so than people, like, you get older and people are married and have kids and a life and whatever. Um, but it really is kind of like, it's 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 very much like summer camp or, I always thought like the circus, but it's like mm-hmm. you, it is very, like you get close with people very quickly and... Like, if you were on a football team, I kind of imagine it like that. Like, if you're on a really good football mm-hmm. team and you win the Super Bowl or something. But it's mm-hmm. it's when you all get together and and you become bigger than the one person. That, to me, is, like, very godly, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's but spiritual. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the end of Days of Confused. Like, it was a Parker and I were sitting in a tree and she was talking and she was like, it's so bittersweet. And I was like... That's the first time I've understood the meaning of that word. Mm. You know, it was, mm-hmm. bit, it, that, I mean, it was exactly You're that. You're tired, was, ready for it to be over. But, but it's, yeah. And and then, like, you know, you you just sort of get used to it. And then you know that, like, you're going to get really close with these people. And then you probably won't ever see them again. You may, you may not. If you do, it's great. If you don't. Would you recommend that uh, acting career to somebody today? Yeah. You would? Yeah. You think it's better or, or worse than it was when you started off? It's just different. How's it different? You know? Um, Because now, like, fame is a different thing. You can be an influencer. You can have a YouTube show, which, you know, there's a lot of freedom in that. Like, you know, when I, like, was trying to be an actress, you had to go to L.A. Do you still have to have an agent? It helps, but, like, now you could, like, if you want to start in acting, you could go to Atlanta because most TV shows cast. But when I started, there was, like, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. That was it. That was it. Those were the only people making TV shows, you know, and now there's a gazillion TV shows. So any show that shoots in Atlanta, like they're kind of, 
you know, like if you're just starting out, the parts that you would be auditioning for, they cast local. They're not going to fly someone from L.A. and put them up in a hotel and rent them a car and to cast someone who has like six lines in a mm-hmm. show. So there's a lot of great agents in Atlanta. But you can also just go out with, you know, your phone and shoot something yeah. and edit it on your computer. I'm telling you. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Good. Honesty and thoughtfulness from Joey Lauren Adams, who's joining this year's judging panel at Dancing into Dreamland, which is tonight. We'll be back in just a second with more thoughts about the Dreamland Ballroom, Taborian Hall, and Dancing into Dreamland. When a great organization serving a great community issues a new mission statement, that's a big deal. And the Friends of Dreamland has one. Friends of Dreamland celebrates the community of historic West 9th Street shares the legacy of Dreamland Ballroom, and preserves the original intent of Taborian Hall. Let's break that down. Celebrate the community. The men and women that lived, worked, and played in the West 9th Street neighborhood faced brutal social stigma every day, but thrived. We'll never forget this, and we'll always celebrate it. Share the legacy. There's no doubt that the most fun and fascinating facet of the history of Dreamland Ballroom are all the legends that graced the Dreamland stage. Unfortunately, it's taken only one generation to almost completely forget this great history. It promotes pride in our hometown when we remember it and encourages us to do everything we can to keep this community strong. And finally, preserve the original intent. Taborian Hall was built as a central fixture of commerce, community organization, and entertainment. And that's our mission statement now. We have a major legacy to live up to and a lot of work ahead of us, but we plan to move forward. See how you can help develop the new mission statement into reality. Visit dreamlandballroom.org. So what do you want next for Dreamland? What do we see that we're going to do with it? Matthew, talk to me about what historical reenactments, partnering with Mosaic Templars. The dream, you know, on that front is to, kind of like I said earlier, make that history as accessible as possible, as available as possible, because it's not always taught to people in the most in their conventional education environment. So, um, you know, my obligation, the thing that I feel most obligated to is is making that history available. And part of doing that is, you know, getting people in there to physically see the history of that crazy space and feel that gravity and all that um, is a big part of that. Uh, Being a part of my tour, just listening to the history, you know, me recite facts is one way to do it. But really the most engaging way is to is to have it creatively told to you in some in some kind of way. You know, you go to those historic Arkansas Museum and see a girl turn butter and then you turn butter with her, you know. I mean you just get this like action that makes you remember the history, you know, and so I see that as a huge part of what we do up there when we're telling the story of the history of the and of, mosaic templars is our sister uh building at the other end yeah they're the they're the people in town in charge of interpreting this interpreting this history you know as a middle-class white boy i don't have that ability i can tell you facts i can do stuff like that but you know i don't have the perspective the appropriate perspective to really interpret this history whereas an organization like mosaic templars is so essential and so awesome that we have that here um because they can take that history and they can interpret it. They can, I mean, if you look at all their programming, it's so creative and so interesting. And it's all about sharing, interpreting history. It's that's what's in their mission, you know? Yeah. And so they're going to be an absolutely integral part of what we do moving forward. 
So Dancing into Dreamland. The first one was at the governor's mansion, and then then we did it twice at the governor's mansion, and then we got the Dreamland's floor, and we've done the rest of them at Dreamland. But Matthew, we had two dancers come up and do a video uh, from... New Creations New Dance creation. Company. Yeah, they did a really fun thing. They were actually a winner a couple of years ago. Um, of the event. And, and for people that don't know what Dancing Into Dreamland is, it's dance teams come out and dance with the, and the audience votes with text voting. Mm-hmm. And there's a panel of judges that vote. And the winner gets $500. Uh, the judges winner gets a cash prize. And the and then the people's choice also and, is and, it's just a fun way for people to don't let don't let Don't let anyone leave the radio station without knowing that this is not the dance that is happening in their head. Different types oh, of yeah, dancing. It's completely different styles yeah. of dance. So, so yeah. it's not just what you're thinking in your head. Okay, they're going to all compete in tango. They're going to all compete. It's not all ballroom. Right? No, no. It's not all ballroom or any of that. It's not all anyone. The belly dancers won one year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The and, guys uh, like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, have, they have a variety of different dances that they do and... It's not about the dance that they do. It's about how well they do the dance Mm -hmm. that they do. It's the community, Definitely. too. Yeah. It's taking risks. I love dance. It's something I really love. So I, I, the part that if you were to ask me what I love about Dreamland and what I want to see happen to Dreamland, I want to continue to celebrate dancers. Mm-hmm. They don't get enough credit. It's so hard to get ready for a dance. You know, It takes months to practice and get ready, and then you get the outfit and the music, and you come out and you perform it for everybody. I want to get, turn that into not just an Arkansas performance, but I would like to have regional dancers come to Dancing in the Dreamland. It's our only fundraiser that we have a year. If you want to see what Dancing in the Dreamland is like, you can even go to Dreamland Ballroom's YouTube channel, and there is a five-minute um, highlight reel highlight. from last year. Yeah. There sure is. And it it's just... Fabulous. It's, it's really fun. fun. It's really fun. Thanks, everybody. I really enjoyed being with y'all. In closing, Thanks, I want to say to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, that's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.